Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we are talking to Paula Lentz, author of Driving into Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. How have you been? Good. Really good. Just, yeah. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Shanna. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm adjusting to my new life. <laughs> I'm trying to have impermanence and accept that there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being on our show. We both loved your book. It was very relatable. We both have, we both have little brothers, so... And my little, yeah, and my little brother um, passed away. So I have to say the first couple chapters, when you were going into your memories with him, I caught myself getting a little emotional and happy because I was thinking about similar, you know, memories with my little brothers. Me too. Can you kind of give us like the back story on your childhood and your relationship with your brother? Sure. Well, I was four years older than him. You know, I was, of course, then the big sister. I have a, a sister who's 10 years younger. Uh, but as you can imagine, and as I talk about in the book, you know, all of my childhood memories uh, were with my brother because, you know, he was, as I say, four years younger. And uh, so we grew up together. You know, by the time... Um, my sister was born, I was 10 years old. And then by the time she was 10, I was already in college, practically getting ready to graduate in another year and a half. So I don't have that same background uh, and and those memories that I do with my brother. And, you know, as I kind of make clear in the book, being the, the oldest and I was always charged with, you know, looking out for my brother, being Mm -hmm. sure he was okay and and things like that. Even as I grew, grew up and grew older and, and even as he was in college and things like that. And, you know, I did try to share, like I say, the funny things that happened to us um, and just kind of make that picture for people to understand that kind of relationship, which is, you know, what you're both referring to. And I did that to help people understand why I had the depth of grief uh, in relation to losing him, especially so young in our lives. This story and what happened uh, took place when I was 30 years old and he was 26. And um he had decided to go to work that day even though he had already resigned from his job and he was wanting to, he was going back to Texas A&M which is where he graduated from originally he actually wanted to become a professor he decided mm-hmm. so he was getting ready to change paths but he went exactly. back all the time mm-hmm. yes So he actually had already cleared away, as you say, a lot of things and was redirected to a new path. 
but you know, as we look at it now, it's though, okay, he was, that was his ending. You know, he was clearing up things here on earth before he was getting ready to transition. Not that we knew that at the time, of course. And as I said, he was going out to a job site and just to help the new superintendent because that's the way he was. And he came around a curve and ended up hitting the side of a train. This, you have to understand that this, this was heavily wooded on both sides of the track and, and this was not a, a track area that had a gate. And there was a man who had been following him and he told the police that, you know, that Donnie was not speeding. It was just a question of, he came around the curve, he was on this road at a different time of day. The sun was in his eyes. He was used to being on this road like really, really early in the morning. And he just ended up hitting the side of the train. And you can imagine how completely shocking that kind of scenario was. You know, it wasn't just enough that he died. It was this horrible vision that we had of that. Yeah. And the day that I found out about it, um, well, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to go back a little more into the past because I didn't realize that I was, that I was having a precognizant type of dream the year before this happened, I started having a recurring dream and this dream was always the same. And I was outside on a hillside with, there were more and more people gathering there and someone came up to me in the dream and, and asked, what's going on here? And I said, I'm, I'm not sure. I've heard that it's the end of the world. We were all looking up at the sky and that's when Jesus appeared. And I just fell down to the ground, almost just crying and saying, no, 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 this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And then the dream would end. And I would just, I would always wake up very suddenly after having had that dream. And I was just thinking, why am I having this dream? And it was um, always the same. It was always the same. Wow. But um, on the day of his accident, uh, then I came to understand what that was showing me because it was showing me the circumstances under which I was going to find out about his death. Because as it happened that day, I had actually driven my husband to his office and dropped him off because I was going on down at downtown Houston. That's where we live. There's a, a Greek Orthodox church down there every year has a big Greek festival that we usually got together with a lot of friends and it was always a fun time. So I had gone on down. He was going to join me later. He, some friends of his were going to come down and bring him. And so I'm there at the festival. And so this is outside on the grounds of the church there. We had decided to go ahead and get in line for getting lunch. Uh, my husband was supposed to come like later in the afternoon. But as I was kind of waiting around with my friends in there, my husband was there. And as he came toward me, I knew that something was really horribly wrong because I'd never seen him look like that before. And so here I am, I'm surrounded by all these people, these throngs of people outside. And, and then he walks up to me and says, he looks me right in the eyes and he said, Donnie was killed this morning in an accident. Mm -hmm. And I just had this view in my mind of the earth just falling 
falling down and just crashing at my feet. And then I just bent down and was crying and screaming. And it, it was, uh, it was such a mess. And, and that's the reaction that I always had in my dream. And mm. then I knew that that's what it was trying to show me. It was showing me how I was going to react the circ- and the circumstances I was under in, you know, like a crowd. You had a few other intuitive moments with him the last time you saw him. Yes. The last time my husband and I had gone up to Bryan, which is where my family lived and my brother lived. And as we uh, left from that weekend, of course, hugging everybody by. And when I hugged my brother, I, I can't even describe what the feeling was, but the thought that came into my mind was, oh, Donnie, you are so much the center of our family. You are so loved. I didn't know that would be the last time that I would see him. It was just a really strange moment. Do you have intuition and dreams prior? I really don't recall having uh, precognitive dreams previously, but it did seem like within that year prior, you know, the other thing I mentioned in the book is that, you know, one day when I was walking toward the door of the office building where I worked at the time, and this was prior to his accident, I could see this dark cloud over the door. I had never seen anything like that. It was in my mind's eye. And I just thought a lot of negative things had happened within that year anyway, prior to that happening. And I just thought, I don't know what that means, but uh, you know, I'm sure it's just adding to everything that's happened this year. So there were some things like that that started happening, but you know, in some ways I think that was in my mind, Uh, I think that that was triggered, like the dream and these feelings I had. I believe that my brother's energy, you know, of course, knew at some level that this, his passing was coming up. I feel like his energy was giving off these, I'll say, signals that this was coming up. And because he and I were so close I think that's why I was beginning to pick up on things like that. At the time of his, of my brother's death, which he died at 9 a.m., I got this terrible pain right over my heart area. And I didn't know what was happening to me. I wondered if I, I was having a heart attack or what. I mean, I was only 30 at the time, but I didn't say anything to my husband And I glanced at the clock and it was 9 a.m. That is the the time that my brother died. So that was another way he reached out uh, to me. Now, I do have to say, too, that my sister had a dream two years prior to his passing. And in that dream... What happened to her in that dream is what ended up actually happening to her when she heard about my brother's death, interestingly enough. Um, All of these things, like, all worked together. 
and her dream was that she had been on the campus at A&M where she went and there was a phone ringing at this phone booth and she went up and answered it. And when she answered it, this woman on the phone said, oh, didn't you know your brother's been killed uh, by a train? And Whoa. Oh my God. That, that is what happened to my sister the day my brother died. That's exactly what happened. This woman had called my sister. This woman was a friend of my dad's wife. And they were trying to figure out where was my dad working that day because he and his brothers did plastering work. So they were contract all over the place. And my sister told him where, um, where he was, where he was working. And she said, why, why are you trying to find my dad? And, and the woman just callously on the other end of the line said, oh, haven't you heard? Your brother was killed in a train wreck this morning, a train accident. Oh, my God. Your brother must have been a very strong soul because he even had friends that were having intuitive moments. Yes. Again, this is why I think, you know, I believe his, his soul energy was sending out signals to us. Like your brother sounds like a very extraordinary soul. How would you describe him when you said the center of the family, like people were attracted to him like a magnet? Yes. I mean, that was true even of his circle of guy friends. Mm -hmm. It was always like Donnie was the center of everything because he just had that kind of personality and he was really, really funny. I mean, he could imitate (laughs) anybody. Just, you know, he just had a wonderful personality. Never really saw him be angry or ugly to people or, or anything like that. And his very best friend, whenever he was dating, Donnie was dating, they would double date and all this stuff. But Uh, his best friend, they'd known each other years. And the morning uh, that of Donnie's accident, which happened at 9am, John had related to me that he had been in his office. And all of a sudden, he just became really, really like sick at his stomach and just had this terrible feeling come over him. So you felt that physical pain and then his best friend did too at around the time that he passed. Wow. Yes. I do think he was a very powerful spirit. Uh, Actually five days after his death, I had remained in my hometown of Brian and my husband had left me there. He had to go back to work in Houston. And so I was there for the week. And so the only access to a vehicle I had was actually my, my brother's personal small truck. He, he was in a company truck uh, at the time of his accident. And I had decided to that day take some flower, some of the funeral flowers out to my grandparents' house. I was in his truck headed that way, and it's about a 15 or 20 minute drive. And I'm driving along by myself, it was midweek. It had probably been the first day that I wasn't just crying my eyes out every moment. And so as I'm driving, suddenly I realized that I could see 360 degrees around me. I was seeing all around me as I'm driving down the road. 
And then I saw this like pattern of lights at my right shoulder uh, as I'm driving. And I realized it was my brother and I could see him. I mean, I could see, still see his features and everything. And he began speaking telepathically to me. And uh, he, he said, I don't want you to be sad. I want you to be happy. And he said, I want to show you a little bit of what it's like for me now. And when he said that, then I left my body, left the truck, and I went off into this whole other scenario. And at first, it almost looked like a like I was viewing a negative of a photograph or something. But then, then I came to realize that then I was out in the middle of the universe. Which my is brother, a little dangerous because you were driving. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I... To this, to this day, I have no recollection of driving, but so my brother was there with me through this whole experience, and I'm out there and in the universe and feeling this, these waves come over me, and the first wave was of this all peace. It was just like this peace that was huge, and the next wave that came over me was this wave of all knowledge. It's like I knew everything that had ever happened in the entire history of the universe. And then the third wave was this huge wave of love. And this energy of love, what the universe and what we all are, what everything is, we are this energy of love, which I call spirit in my book. It was just this indescribable, complete love. From a Baptist background, so were you like, oh, this is heaven? Well, at the moment, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just into the feeling of not just not just knowing about this, but I became one with everything. The energy of love, I became one with all knowledge, I became one with peace. There was no separation of me from anything in the universe. And what I did is I realized that is the truth of our situation. There is absolutely no separation of anything in the universe from this energy of love, this energy of love or spirit. This is the energy that created everything that's here, this powerful love. So I was in that state of feeling these things and knowing these things, but intuitively I knew that no, I was not in heaven or whatever you want to call it. I knew that in order to be fully into that, I needed to leave, you know, where I was there and move on because my feeling was I did not want to go back to my body. I did not want to return to my life. I did not care at all about that. It was like the only thing I wanted to do 
was I wanted to move on to the next level of whatever that, that was, heaven or eternity there. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I began to feel as though I was wishing away. And my brother, who was still there with me, I mean, I started feeling as though I was really moving quickly away from where I was in the universe and towards something else. And he kind of exerted his energy on my energy. And he said, no, you can't go yet. It's not your time. And he pushed me, I'll say, he pushed me back down into my body. I could see myself coming back into my body as I was still driving the truck. And and I felt myself kind of land back in my body with a thud. <laughs> and uh, I just, I was, I had already made a turn onto the actual road that took me my grandparents. How, I don't know, but I came back into my body and I didn't want to be there but here I was, I didn't have any choice. And so that is, that's the reason I named the book driving into infinity. Yeah. I loved when I put that together, I was like, Oh, this is why I love it. Because think about it. He was driving his truck when he moved on. Yeah. So that's, that's how the name came about. I have to say it was so interesting to me that you didn't die, but you experienced the same thing that I experienced when I was laying in a coma dying. And I saw my brother and my brother said the same thing to me. He told me, I know it's not your time and forced me back into my body. That too was so relatable. And, and it just is mind blowing to me that you experienced such a beautiful thing, just driving a truck. You weren't laying in a coma. You weren't sick. You were, in, you were definitely in a deep state of grief, but wow, it's, yes. I've never heard of that before. It's so mind-blowing and beautiful and intriguing. And <laughs> you had that experience driving. Did you have anything physical like afterwards, like when you finally got to your destination physically? Did you feel nauseous? Did you feel tired? Did you feel normal? When I got to my grandparents' house after coming back from being in infinity. What I, fe- what I felt was, number one, I felt very warm all over. And I felt still somewhat removed, I'll say, from being in the land of the living. I mean, I, I took these flowers to my grandparents and, and it was almost as though I were looking at the situation through my brother's eyes, how he must be have been viewing us in our grief because of course my grandparents were very deep in grief about my brother, the loss of my brother. And I just felt very calm. I felt happy and at peace, but you know, I didn't say anything to my grandparents about what I had just experienced. Number one, I don't think I had even processed at that point what had happened to me. Uh, I was still kind of in this state of, I'll call it bliss and that lasted the whole day for me. But it was an interesting experience in that, as I said, I could, I could see how deep the grief was that my grandparents were in. And I knew that this is how my brother was seeing us and that he didn't want us to be in that state. But of course, we being humans, 
you know, our hearts were broken and that was a natural human reaction. When Mandy had her NDE, she explained almost word for word you had experienced with your brother. It blows me away. Yeah. And, and people always ask me, Paula, like, what, how did you talk to him? Do your mouths move? And I'm like, no, like, it's telepathic. And my brother presented himself to me in the physical for just a quick second, just, and then it was just our spirits talking. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Well, it is all telepathic. I mean, I um, was the same age as you too. And my brother was the same age. So much <laughs> I can relate that to. Really, that is really wild to me. Right? Yeah, that's amazing to me. We'll have to go on our website. Mandy's entire NDE stories in there. Okay. I mean, how validating though, when you do hear another person's story, which is why I think your book is so great. And I loved in your book how you described how you believe your conscious had changed. And because of that change, you started having more psychic abilities and lots of things started happening. Could you talk about that for a minute? Yes. Well, when I returned home, there were a lot of things that, that began happening around my house. I came to realize, of course, that this was more outreach from my brother, just letting me know he was still alive on the other side. For example, I would come home from work and this one chair in our dining room, a couple of times a week, that one chair would always be pulled out when I would come home. And I had even asked my husband, I said, are you going into the dining room and using this chair for something or what? And he's like, no, he didn't even know what I was talking about. But there were so many, there were so many other things that began happening. It almost seems like you had to literally awaken every one of your Claire's in order to be receiving all this information, he came in every which way. Yes, that's true. And, you know, even now, you know, I'm like 66 now. And even now through these, you know, last couple of years, my abilities to have intuition and information come through, you know, there, there becomes more and more of those kinds of things and information that I get and it has continued to develop through the years mm-hmm. um, and, and I do still have outreach from my brother he still moves things around and I have to say that you know everything I talk about in the book those were all things that happened not while I was around you know I would come in and I would find all these things you know all the stuff I described in there for the first time ever within the last two months, (laughs) suddenly I had a couple of days where things in my office moved while I was in here, my home office. I had this invitation in my bookcase area and I'm sitting here at my computer and suddenly this, this wall of honor invitation deal, it flew across the room while I'm sitting here. (laughs) Wow. I had never been in the same room when any of these things happened. Another framed picture in here of my brother and pictures uh, with my sister and I. And that is all the way at the back of the bookcase shelf. And that thing suddenly fell and pushed out uh, another picture 
onto the floor that was a framed picture of Donnie, Gloria, and I on the couch. We were laughing. Uh, it's just a really funny picture, one of my favorites, which is why I framed it. And so that happened while, again, while I was sitting here at my desk. So it's kind of like through the years, these things sort of ramp up for whatever reason. You started to have dreams that were speaking to you about other things in your life as well? Yes. Yes. Like related to work or new jobs when I was looking for jobs. So that was one of the things, you know, that developed too. Uh, but another, another thing that's more recently developed for me is it seems that spirit puts in front of me people who have lost someone they loved recently, you know, like within a year or two. And I'll be sort of compelled, I'll say, to mention my book and, and give, you know, just the sentence that kind of tells what it's about. And then these people will look at me and they'll tell me, they'll share with me that they just lost whomever. And so I'm able to help them. Sometimes what happens is this loved one who's crossed over will start coming through to me with information for this person I'm talking to, because it all, it, sometimes it seems like it relates to a particular issue. I'll give you an example. This good friend of mine I knew from high school, after we all graduated and everything, she got married, she moved away, and then I went my own way. And so it had been a long time since I'd seen her, but I happened to come across her name on Facebook. And we used to be really good friends. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to friend her and see if I can get back in touch with her. And that came about. And so she and I exchanged phone numbers and had a conversation. And she started talking to me about the loss of her mother and the circumstances around that. And she was sad because she felt like she was so close to her mom. And so there were a lot of things that were related around her, her mom passing on that, that she should have made better decisions. I'll say that. And so she's telling me this and how, you know, she, she feels really sad about that because she hadn't been able to feel her mother around her since she had moved on. And yet her sister had told her she felt their mother around her. So she's telling me this and suddenly her mother, her mother's face comes in right next to me. I was sitting in a chair in here in my office. And I said, Debbie, I have to tell you, your mother is right here by me. And this is what she's telling me. And I related to her what her mom was saying, that she didn't have to feel this way. And she already knew all the things that Debbie had wanted to say to her. And so I told him, he said, you know what you need to do? You need to sit down and, and write down on paper that you are releasing all these obstacles, all these things that you think you didn't do right in relation to when your mother passed on. I said, because what I see is I see these stones built up in front of your heart like a wall. And I said, that's why you haven't been able to feel your mother's energy around you, even though she is around you. And I said, when you sit down and write down this information, uh, letting go all of these, these things that you're telling me, 
then you'll be able to feel her around you again. And so that's what she did. And that's exactly what happened. Suddenly she could feel her mom's spirit and she got in touch with Awesome. And so this is happening, you know, more times than not to me now. So that's, that's something new that I think I'm being guided to do Mm -hmm. more of and let people know I can do that. How did you feel about sharing at first? Because for me, I was a little apprehensive. Um, I, a lot of people sometimes will question it, especially people that, that are religious. Think, can you relate to that? <laughs> I can so relate to that. <laughs> because, you know, you have to realize, too, when I had this experience, it was 1983. It's not like I could sit down at a computer and Google up information about, you know, this kind of stuff. That just wasn't the case. I myself didn't even really understand what had happened to me. And that's why, as I talk about the book, I just, you know, began reading, reading, reading spiritual books all over the place, trying to learn what I could or find out had other people ever experienced anything like that. I only told one or two of my really closest friends uh, who totally supported me. I never talked about this experience to people. This was not something I shared for years until I retired in 2016. Then in 2017, and this one friend of mine through the years had said, you know, you really need to write a book about all this. And I was like, oh, I would just roll my eyes like, yeah, sure. I suddenly realized I did want to write about my story. That's how I ended up writing the book and publishing it. I was just going to say, you know, and so when the book came out and, you know, I started putting it out there that, that I had written this book, which that took a big step for me to do that. But I just knew I needed to do this. And I've, I realized how, how suddenly I was, I could claim my authenticity, I'll say, you know, the authentic me and kind of fill in the other half of who I am that I had not been able to proclaim all these years. Did you find healing within that? Oh, yes. I mean, for the first time, I felt like a whole human being. And I have to say that right when my book was coming out, I'm a member of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I, I want to mention that Dr. Jan Holden, who was a former president of IANS, she is a researcher, and she wrote the final chapter of my book, The Afterword. That yes, provides, I loved it. I went to the IANS conference that was right here, uh, not far away from me in Colorado, and it was the first time I had ever been in the midst of people who have had experiences like I had and who have had all kinds of experiences. And it was the first time I was able to share my story and chat with people about that at this one day of conference I went to right as my book was coming out. And I have to tell you, I felt absolutely giddy that day. I had never experienced being able to talk so freely and claim for myself that, yes, this happened to me. (laughs) And so it was, it was mind blowing for me 
how I felt after that. I know both of you read, read my book and, you know, that last chapter, as I said, you know, Dr. Holden does a great job of, you know, mentioning some of the research and this test, you know, that's yes. been devised and for people to take regarding NDE. Even I, in the book, mentioned other organizations. Yes, I loved how you put all those resources in there. I I loved that. I have to share the way that that whole thing came about with Dr. Holden. Well, she she talks about it, how I called her out of the blue. I was trying to get in touch with Dr. Ring. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how, how that came about. I mean, this is an example of how you're led to do the right thing by spirit in my book. Anyway, um, I, I went to the INS site cause I thought, who can I get in touch with that might be a conduit to me actually getting in touch with Dr. Ring who did provide, uh, that, uh, the quote on the, that's on the cover of my book. And so I looked up on their, their list of past presidents and out of their whole list, I ended up choosing Dr. Holden, uh, Janice Holden. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I think I must've talked to Ian's and gotten her contact information. And then I decided to call her. Well, she's a professor and uh, I called her like midday and I thought, you know, my chances of getting to talk to this woman direct are like probably nil. She's a professor. She's probably not anywhere near office. Well, lo and behold, the time that I chose, she was in her office and she answered the phone. She and I ended up talking an hour and a half because she, she asked me, why was I trying to get in touch with Dr. Ring? And I told her, and she said, you know what? And I told her I was writing my book and she said, I'm not trying to horn in on your project, but she said, I want to tell you, you have a very unusual experience. And she said, it's so much like a near death experience, but you were not near death. And that, and she offered, now mind you, she's never met me or anything. She offered on the spot, on that phone call, to provide, you know, details about the research that would, you know, bring support to what, to that experience I had. Wow. And I immediately could see this is mind-blowing because this offers credibility to yep. what I've experienced. And this yeah. woman's offering to do this right now I on love, the phone with me. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I love it. kind of stuff that happens. Yeah. I, I loved the chapter that you added in of her with her um, and how she described the SDE and ADC and NDE. I had no idea that, you know, those even existed. So, and I loved the resources. I also loved how you went into um, things that you've implemented into your life, like Tai Chi. And then also you talked about mist and meld. Could you tell our listeners about mist and meld and how you implement those into your life now from this experience? Yes. So that is um, meld into spirit technique is what I call it, which is mist, M-I-S-T. And this is a, a way of, I call it, uh, being the oneness. You know, I, I often, when I'm out walking around or, or just wherever, I don't do this while I'm trying to drive or something, but, you know, I walk around and I keep my eyes open and I take myself back to that moment in the universe uh, when I 
was one with spirit, you know, when I was experiencing the oneness. And I do that through my heart chakra area. You know, I focus on the love and it gets real warm in that area. And, and then I take myself back to those moments because it's so freeing. It's what life is all about or should be about. And that is being the oneness because essentially it elevates our frequency and vibration of who we are. And then we're able to manifest um, in a higher way uh, our lives because we have higher frequency and vibration uh, in our energy level. So that's kind of the, the basis, the idea behind it. Um, but recently I had a, a short video clip created to help people visualize what I'm talking about in how to do it. And it's only like a minute and 16 seconds and, and it's on YouTube cha channel. If you just um, look up meld into spirit technique, you can find uh, the video I've made of which provides a lot of other information like levels of consciousness and why it's important to do something like this. If you don't mind, I, I'll quickly go through the visualization that you know, to begin with, remembering that your eyes are open, you can be out walking around in a park, you can be in your house, you can just be sitting alone, you know, doing this if you want. The main idea is to stop thinking and instead focus on and feel the love warmth in your heart chakra area. That's where you start. You feel that warmth of love growing there and becoming stronger in your heart concentrate on that area, you will feel that. Feel yourself relaxing into the heart center of love. Now in your mind's eye, imagine and see everything around you blurring and blending together. There are no more edges to anything. Everything is becoming all the same white light, particles of light, floating, merging. Now imagine the light expanding out beyond earth, further and further out into the entire infinite universe, encompassing all. Everything becomes the light and on out into infinity. As this process continues, feel how easy it is to let go of all judgment of people or issues or life. It all falls away, released easily and completely. When we feel through our heart completely free, then we easily experience being one with the universal consciousness of spirit, of the all that is. Just relax into that supportive, loving feeling. No separation of anything. You are safe. You are loved. Left behind are any human earthly worries. We are now completely one with the love, the light, the universal consciousness, as are all things. Feel the freedom, the wholeness 
the peace that passes all understanding, no separation of anything. This is home, the all that is. All is well, always has been, and always will be in the space of oneness. That's what goes with the video. Oh my gosh, Paula, thank you so much. It was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I just melted. I'm sorry, I'm like speechless right now. <laughs> I think if you think of it, it's like, it's like looking at something under a microscope. You know, you, you look at it at a certain power level and you see it as it is at that level. But as you increase the power, you get further and further deeper and deeper into, you know, the very main elements of whatever it is you're looking under the microscope. People can grasp that concept of that's what you're doing. You know, it makes it easier. But remember, you have your eyes open and you incorporate this into your life reality yeah that's amazing to, to well, become more yeah. natural i love that you um mentioned that and repeated that because i think a lot of our listeners and even including myself um we tend to think that this has to be a big ritual it has to be a practice you have to set up like this amazing space and i love that you're reminding people that you can do this while you're talking you can do it while you're cooking you can do it you know so thank you Right. And, and as you do this, you'll find you too will be able to, you know, more rapidly reach that state without necessarily having to go through so many steps. You'll get used to how it feels when you reach that oneness feeling in your heart area that you'll more and more be able to kind of just go directly to that. I mean, that's, that's really what I do. I go directly to the experience I had, but this is the way to help people reach that state. So it's so needed right now in our world. So I love that you're trying to spread this and I feel honored to have you on our podcast. And so thank you for sharing it again and for being vulnerable and sharing some pain that yep. you've experienced in your life. Yep. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a beautiful book and a beautiful story and I appreciate you sharing it with the world. I think so many people who were like you were like me and Mandy at some, at some point felt, does anyone else experience what I experienced? I think more books like this and podcasts like this one are wonderful just to reach out to people and let people know, Hey, you know what? This is probably more normal than you think. <laughs> and that it's okay. And that it's, yeah. and that it's a gift. <laughs> it is a gift. And you're not crazy. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon and I still catch ourselves saying, oh, the weirdest thing happened. Oh, the craziest thing has happened. Uh, as a society, <laughs> we always add those words onto our experiences that aren't actually crazy, that aren't actually weird. We have to stop doing that because they're not. They're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They are amazing. When all this is said and done, this coronavirus separation, social distancing thing, we definitely would love to meet you for lunch. Yes, I have yes. so much more I want to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love that. And we do need to do that as soon as we get beyond this. We'll buy a few books to put in our truck um, to sell. Oh, wow. You know, because we have you. a truck. If hopefully we'll get to actually have physical customers one day, but we'll also put them online. <laughs> 
Yeah, we have an online store and a little mobile boutique. So yeah, you align oh. with us. And I'm so glad we got, you know, just connect with you. And there's a reason and I love it. Wonderful. I'm, I'm thrilled to have connected with you and your show. So thank you so much. Well, I know your brother's very proud of you. And yeah. um, good for you for living your truth. And I look forward to meeting you. Great. I look forward to it also. Thank you again. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.